Welcome. Thanks for listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy. And God bless. Restoration Church. A little housekeeping right there. How's everybody doing? Are you good? Wow. Thank you for the worship. He came in and sat down this morning. Amen. Welcome first-time guests. Welcome Restoration Church and welcome online guests. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We believe that our service is what it is because you chose this house I really believe that. If you are in the house and you're on Facebook, go ahead and uh, invite your friends via live stream. Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? I'm ready to give it to you. I believe I got a word. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and saturate this sanctuary. I ask you to take us to another level. I ask you to cause this environment to be one, conducing to learning, conduced to learning and revelation. I ask you to speak through me this morning. Hide me behind your anointing. Release your word to the hearts of your people today, I pray. And sir, I'm going to follow you regardless of the direction you take this morning because this is your house. These are your people. And sir, I'm your servant. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a quick question this morning. If I didn't, well, first of all, I didn't get to tell you, uh, happy uh, new year. Happy new year. And roll tide. Who said that? I know that voice. I see you, girl. You know I'm not saying that back. Uh, How many of you made new year resolutions? Show me your hands very quickly. Guys, can you help me with the lights just a little bit? How many of you are still maintaining those resolutions after two weeks? Show me. Good for you. Good for you. The title of my message today is Pioneering Faith, Blazing New Trails. Pioneering Faith, Blazing New Trails. Josh Hudson, can you help me with the lights, please? I can't see the people. (laughs) Thank you. There was a man named Joshua. He was the son of Nun from the tribe of Ephraim. We have no information about his mother, but we know he was born in Egyptian slavery. He was Moses' understudy and aide for 40 years. He was by Moses' side through all of the years of wilderness due due to the faithlessness of the people. He went partway up Mount Sinai with Moses when Moses was about to receive the law or the Ten Commandments. After the tabernacle was built, Joshua was with Moses when Moses met face to face with God, and then he stayed behind as Moses reentered the camp. Now, Joshua was also one of the 12 spies, if you remember the story. They went in to spy out the land, the promise. And if you remember, the 10 spies came back. Do you remember the story? They came back and they were terrified. And they talked about feeling like grasshoppers and the giants. Well, there were two men, Caleb and Joshua. And Joshua came back and he said, we can do this. God, I believe you put us in. We can do it. 
Sometimes you just know when you know her when you better take the step because it's a, it's a God said. Amen? Well, Moses carefully groomed Joshua to be his successor as the Lord instructed him. And under the leadership of Joshua, they crossed the Jordan River. For seven years, he led the people in battle. Do you remember? He defeated 31 kings and conquered their cities and territories, which comprised of the bulk of the west of Jordan. Now, Moses had already taken the east before his death. Wow, what a leader. Wow, what a warrior. And what faith, Joshua. In the midst of Joshua's account, we bump into a woman. And the story begins in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. I'll be teaching from the ESV today. And it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. Okay, two questions right off the bat I've got to ask. First of all, God said in chapter 1, every place that your foot is planted, I'm going to give it to you. Every place, it's yours. So why would he need to send out spies to the very place that God already said, I'm going to give it to you? Well, let me tell you, until God tells you exactly what to do, you better do what you know to do, and that is wisdom. He didn't have a strategy plan yet. All he had was a, I'm going to give it to you. So until he tells you, do exactly what you know to do until he tells you what to do. And the second question is, are you telling me that God would send those two men into the house of a prostitute? Pastor Angela, it's in the Word. It's in the Word. Why would that happen? You see, some of us are like, "Mm mm-mm. I don't believe that was the Lord. Oh, it was the Lord. You better believe it was the Lord because He's about to do a thing. Amen. Why would He send them into the house of a prostitute? Well, I'm going to tell you. If they snuck in, if they tried to just sneak in under the radar, that's not happening. You see, they're foreigners. And they're going to stick out. But what happened was Joshua said, I'm going to send you to the house of prostitute, of a prostitute. There was a lot of foot traffic in and out of that. Obviously, she was successful. Is everybody okay? I know it's in church, but I'm just telling you the truth. It's right there. She was obviously successful. There was a lot of foot traffic. So it would be easy to sneak in when there's a lot of foot traffic, wouldn't it? It makes perfect sense. But when we have that holier than thou, it's the word of God. Amen. Amen. Verse 2 says this. And it was told to the king of Jericho. Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. The king of Jericho sent to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all of the land. Verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Verse 5. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly and you will overtake them. She was saying, hurry, if you go right now, 
She was lying. She hid them, remember? But she said to the men, hurry, if you go right now, you can catch him. She led them to believe they were just ahead of them. She must not know what I know about the punishment of a traitor in this day. It was death. What we would expect her to do is to turn those men over, wouldn't we? That's not what she did. Year after year, day after day, man after man, all the foot traffic in and out of that house. And she could do nothing to change it. Desperation for change will cause you to do things that you've never had the courage to do. It will cause you to risk everything sometimes. Everything. And I believe this was the day that she said, I can't take it anymore. I can't do this anymore. And she risked it all at that moment. Listen, she saw a tiny possibility of hope and she said, I'm risking everything for this might be. She stepped up to the plate. She swung that bat. And let me tell you, if you never step up to the plate, you don't get an opportunity to swing the bat. Verse 6 said, But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on their way to the Jordan as far as the fords or the passages. At the, at, watch this. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out so that the spies could not escape. I want us to go up on the rooftop of Jericho. And I want us to listen to what Rahab said to the spies after the soldiers left. I know that the Lord has given you this land and and the fear of you has fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land, they melted away before you. That word right there, that word right there means they were terrified before you. Watch this. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Jericho. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. Watch this. To Sion and Og whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted or were terrified. And there was no spirit left in the man. In the men. Guess what that means? It means they fainted. They were terrified. And they fell down. And they fainted. Because of something they heard. For the Lord, this is what she said. For the Lord your God. Not my God yet. For the Lord your God. He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She's saying, we heard what he did for you. We know he moved for you. We heard all about it. And dread came upon us. Every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to trust God. But you got to choose it. And we lost all of our courage, she said. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. That almost sounds like she made a decision right there to me. 
Friends, do you know what superstition is? Superstition is blindly accepting belief without evidence or knowledge. Blindly accepting belief without evidence or knowledge. Rahab had evidence. So much so that she banked her entire life on one decision. This was not blind optimism or a manufactured hope so. This was pioneering faith. Nobody taught her. Nobody showed her. She had just heard a thing. Just heard a thing. Oh, I know who he is. I've heard what he did. Sometimes you just know deep in your knower. The scripture tells us that all the inhabitants were aware of what God had done. Did you hear that? The entire city heard about what God had done. And all the men fainted because they were terrified. And this little woman that was sick up and fed with her life said, I know he can help me. Nobody else can help me, but he can help me. And I believe it. Her decision not only changed her life, but it changed her entire family. And it changed history. I've heard about him. And whether you come with me or you don't, I'm going. That's pioneering faith. It's moments like that when pioneering faith and fearless faith collide and things start shifting. Pioneering faith and fearless faith. So let me tell you what happens next. You see, they made a deal. Rahab and the two spies. And she said, you swear to me. Where does this boldness come up in this little woman? She says, oh, you swear to me. Who is she? That since I've helped you, you will save me. And not only will you save me, you will save my entire family. Oh, she placed a demand on them. You will save my entire family. I believe that for everyone sitting in this room. Amen. (sighs) Mm. She could have placed her faith on that great strong wall of Jericho that day. But you see, she placed it in another place on the wall of God's protection. I'm going to trust him and I don't know him yet. These two spies, they agreed that they would do exactly as she said as long as she did not tell their business. She kept the secret. And they said, whenever the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then they instructed her to tie a scarlet cord in the window through which she let them down. She let them down on a different cord. But they told her to gather into her house her father and her mother Her brothers, the entire father's family. They are to remain in the house. You have to remember that Rahab did not get the marching orders. She had to stay inside the house and she didn't know how long. Did you you see that? They didn't say, you stay in there and you wait for so many days. And then, no, they said, you stay in that house and don't you come out. 
How long? Does it matter? We're talking about obedience. Does it matter? She had no idea. Let me remind you that he's in the waiting also. He's in the waiting. I want to show you something about the scarlet cord this morning. Whenever Rahab tied the scarlet cord in the window, she was throwing out a lifeline. She was choosing to trust two men that she did not know and didn't know if she would ever see them again. She was banking her life on it. And she tied the cord to the window. The Hebrew word there for cord or thread, it's the same word, is translated other places in the Old Testament. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Hope. Hope. That cord was her hope rope. It was her hope. She said, when everything else is happening, this is all I've got. Do you understand? That's all she had. She didn't know if those men would ever come or if they'd keep their promise. She said, but I'm going to do what you said, and I'm going to believe that he's going to see me. I'm going to believe it. He sees you too. Oh, that crimson cord was significant. Significant. And if I remember correctly, and this is for another teaching day, there was another prostitute, Pastor Josh, that also had a crimson thread. Two prostitutes, two, yeah, two crimson threads and destiny. That needs to be preached. Rahab had many opportunities for fear to overtake her, but she chose faith. What God willed, she regarded it as, it's already done. How do we miss that? How do we miss that? Some of us have more faith when we reach over and we turn on the hot water in the morning for a shower than we do Some of us have more faith when we reach over and turn on the hot water in our showers in the morning than we do when it comes to trusting God. You know that hot water's coming on eventually, but you don't know if he's going to do what he said. We better start acting like he's speaking the truth. If you read it, if he says it, it's the truth, and that's the end of the story. We better start acting like his word is the truth. I better move on before I get in trouble. Okay. I want us to move down just a little bit further. Joshua chapter 6 says this. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. It was well defended. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. The Bible is full of words and phrases that, see, I've already done it. See, I've already delivered them. See, I've already conquered death. See, but we don't see. We don't see. When are we going to believe what he says? He said, see, I've already done it. Lord, remove the scales. I want to remind you. That Joshua was one of the greatest military leaders that Israel had ever known. His leadership skills were only second to Moses. 
He knew how to do battle and he knew how to win. Yet he had never taken a walled city before. That is significant. So I'm pretty sure he was counting the cost, calculating the process. You see, he'd never done this before. If no one is going in and no one is coming out, we'll just lay siege this place. Well, there's only one problem with that. They weren't going to starve them out because Joshua 3 tells us that the harvest had just been taken in. So that wasn't an option. It sounds good, but it wasn't an option. And then... There was a spring that provided water that lay just inside the city walls. So they were, have, they were going to have access to water and food. That wasn't going to work. So what do we do? He is a warrior. What does he do? He said, okay, then we're going to bust this thing in and we're going to take it by force. We need a battering ram and we need a catapult. And we sit down. No, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. Now, Jericho was a small city. As a matter of fact, you could walk around the entire city in an hour. Maybe 45 minutes if you're really good. The size of the city is not the problem. It's the size of the wall that was before them. It's not the city. It's the wall. It's the one obstacle between them and the promise. That's a problem. How many of you know... That the first battle, watch this, between you and the promise is always going to be the greatest. Because see, if the enemy can get you to sit down right here at the edge and throw in the towel, he wins. If you will stop praying, if you will stop fasting, if you will stop believing and sit right there, you will lose. And he knows that. And that's why the first one, he hits you with everything he's got. Joshua's looking at that going, I know you said I could have it, but I don't know how you're going to do it. We have nothing. You do whatever you have to do to overcome the first one. Sometimes you have to crawl on your belly to overcome the first one. Painful. But don't you give up. you got to get over the first one. Verse 3 says, you shall... March around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when you make a long blast, watch this, when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of Jericho will fall down, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Wait a minute. This mighty commander knows how to battle. He knows how to war and he knows how to win. And you're telling me to what? You're telling me to line these men up. I'm the chief and I'm leading the crew. And you're telling me to line them up and walk. Are you serious? They're never going to follow me again. What do you do when God changes the method? You see, you have gifts, you have talents, 
You have everything you need. And it's the same way every time. I always chew gum, lay hands with my right hand, anoint with the Lord, and, and God help. Stop. What do you do when he changes the method? It's not about you. What are you going to do when he changes the method? Yeah, I know that's the way you've always done it. Every time you do these things and that thing, I deliver them. No, not that way today. I'm doing a new thing. That right there is what grows our faith. You see, God knew exactly what he was doing that day. It didn't look like it. And I know Joshua questioned them. But you see, these folks that we're talking about, they knew a thing or two about circling. They knew a thing or two about circling. Because they came from a generation of circlers. God gave Joshua his strategy for taking the city. And he obeyed. Oh, we got to start acting like when he speaks is the truth. Verse 6 says, So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and that's the presence of God. He's saying, the presence of God is going with us. Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. I wish I could tarry there. Something significant just happened. God gave Joshua the strategy. Sometimes when God speaks to you, it's for you and nobody else. They can't handle what he says to you. But we want to tell everything that he says because, well, it makes us look like we hear from God. We all do. We don't need to hear it. Unless God says, share it. Do you understand? Because you don't want to get ahead of him. You don't want to get behind him. And not only that, everybody's not going to believe you. Hold it. Some things are just for you. So let me show you what Joshua did. He did not give them the battle plan. He gave them step one. That's all you get. Why? I believe because he thought their unbelief would dismantle the group. You see, they didn't know if they were circling six days 600 days or six years. They, their family had just come out of 40 years of circling. They didn't know what was before them, but they decided to obey. They didn't know what was before them. And he didn't tell them. Oh, I think that's significant. But this time, the people circled out of belief rather than as a result of unbelief. So they get all lined up to do what their commander had instructed them. I want to ask you two questions this morning. You ready? It's day five. It's day five. You don't know if 600 days are ahead of you. And it's day five. You have marched. You have walked. You have been obedient. You have prayed. You have cried. And not a single brick has fallen off that wall. And now you're on day six. There's not a crack in the mortar. You can't see anything. Will you keep walking? Will you keep walking? Hmm. 
We can't quit prematurely because you don't know where day seven is. And when the fire is hot and the battle is great, you better push. It's not time to give in. You better push. Would it make a difference if you knew the outcome? If God said, I'm giving it to you. Even if you don't have a strategy, would it make a difference? So why don't we read the word and find out what we're supposed to be doing so that we can stand? But we don't. Why not? Second question. Are you still pondering the first one or did you forget what it was? Would you continue walking if, the brick didn't, if you didn't see any bricks falling? Would you do it? Here's the second question. Have you added bricks to your Jericho? Would you add bricks? Have you added bricks to your Jericho? And what might that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 10 says, But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shout. He's saying, Don't even make a noise. Don't even breathe loud. Just walk and don't speak. Why do you think he said that? What happens when we start murmuring? We don't stop. Are we speaking faith or are we speaking frustration? Are we adding bricks to our Jericho? Sometimes silence is our most powerful tool. It's not time for a conversation when you're in the middle of warfare. It's time to do battle. He said, don't even talk. You better stay focused. Because I've told you exactly what to do. Don't get distracted by what somebody might say to you when I've already told you this. Don't even speak. Just obey me. What happens? Okay, this is three questions. I can't resist. What happens when it's time to shout your war cry and you don't have a voice anymore? You can't shout for victory. You can't shout and release the deliverance cry because you've added so many bricks to Jericho that now you have no voice left. Doesn't mean anything. You can't speak to anything. Faith or frustration? What are you speaking? Things are never going to get any better. I was broke. My parents were broke. I'm going to be broke forever. My kids are addicted. Grandkids. Their father. Whole family's addicted. I couldn't play my, pay my utility bill last January and the power was turned off. Why do I think I'm going to have the money this January to pay it? Let me tell you what the Lord said. His instructions were this. Walk around. You circle one time. Don't worship the problem. 
Don't worship the problem. He said, you walk around that thing one time and then you go about your business. You do it one time. Because see, we get really comfortable. And you know what I've learned? It's when you walk around the problem and you begin to worship it, you begin to walk slow. Have you ever seen yourself do that? You call, you call it praying. But really what you're doing is you're kind of soaking in it. You're kind of soaking in it going, well, you know this. So you slow down and you're like, yeah, I think they were right. But the minute you decide to take a victory lap, your word says that I'm healed. Your word says that you're my deliverer. I will stand. I am the head and not the tail. Then you will start. Oh, you speed up that step a little bit. You know why? Because you got something to say and there's an authority that you have just taken. And you can't take that authority if you don't know what the word says about your circumstance. Don't worship the Jericho that is before you. One time, and then you start taking the victory lap. Let me tell you what that is. Listen, don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. I see you. I see this Jericho you put up before me. They said this. They said that. But let me tell you what. And I'm done right there. Boom. It's over. I see you. Don't act like it's not happening. Don't act like you're not sick. How will he get any How will he get any glory for healing if you can't even speak the truth? Speak the truth and then you take authority over it. I know this is where I am. I know I don't have the money, but you said. Don't act like it's not happening. I hate that. That's not faith. Do you hear me? That's not faith. You know what faith is? Your word says, therefore I stand. That's faith. Therefore I stand. Because let me tell you something. When he speaks, it is the truth. If he says he's going to deliver your kids, he's going to deliver your kids. Don't sit down on the edge and throw in the towel. Their life's depending on it. Stand. But you can't stand if you don't even have a verse to put with your mess. That's what he said to me. Faith. You can't have faith if you don't know what his word says about your situation. That's a wish, guys. It's nothing but a wish. I don't know about you. I got a few Jerichos and I'm not playing. It's over. This message was for me. I know y'all thought it was yours, but... I'm done. I'm just done. Because I've got a word (laughs) that he said about it. What have I been doing? Wishing? Mm -mm. It's over. (laughs) I'm just going to tell y'all, if you see me in the next 10 days, it's on. If I walk by you and I don't even see you standing there, it's because it's on. I don't have time to talk to you. I'm in the middle of a battle. You know how I can tell when people aren't? Sit down. Stop. All this. Well, let me tell you what's happening to be, Kim. Well, let me tell you. Well, let me. You are building Jericho. You better know what you're speaking. Faith or frustration. Joshua 1.8 tells us this. 
meditate on the word day and night so that you are sure to obey everything written in it. How can you take a victory lap if you don't even know what it says? You don't even know when day seven comes. Faith is not a feeling. It is our response to what God has revealed in his word. That is faith. Everything else is fluff. If you can't put a scripture to it, it's fluff. You're believing for fluff. It doesn't mean anything. You better put a scripture with where you are. And then, oh, it's on. Because this is what you said. And if he said it, it is the truth. We just need to start acting like it. At a specific time, day seven. They were to circle seven times. And then they would see if we're not looking, we won't see it. It might look different than the deliverance you thought was going to look. You got to align yourself to see. It says the wall collapsed just like God said it would. Now, the story would have been different had they gotten to day six. Said, I'm over it. You said you didn't, and I'm done. And you're about to birth that thing. You're on the edge of birthing that thing. And it's day six, and you throw in the towel. We cannot quit prematurely. You don't have any idea what's on the other side of that wall. And it's worth fighting for. Don't you dare quit at day six. When the fight is more than you can bear, I'm telling you, you better burn that thing. Because you're right there and you might need a midwife call on somebody. God said it would happen on day seven. Exactly what he told Joshua it happened. Oh, and the two men who spied out the land, do you remember? Joshua said to those two men, go. Go back to the prostitute's house. And you bring them out, the woman and all who belong to her, as you swore to her. In other words, you go back into that place where nobody. You go back and you tell, you go back and you. She didn't know how long the wait would be. From prostitute to woman of pioneering faith, Rahab. Can you help me, Pastor Angela? Will you stand with me, please? I pray that after this message today, that never again, never again, when you hear her name, or when you read her account, never again will the first thing that comes to your mind be, she was a harlot. I pray that after this day, that the first thing comes to your mind is, whoa, I wish I had pioneering faith like that. Lord, strengthen me. Show me. Yes. God did a beautiful thing in her. You know, she is in the lineage, in the lineage of somebody we love best. Jesus, you see, God will take you right in the middle 
of where you are right now. But sometimes you got to get to that place where you go, I can't, I can't do it again. I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, you can't. That's why we all need him. You just have to get to the place where you say, I am done. I'm done. I can't do it. You're right. But you got to get to that place. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for listening to the Restoration Church podcast. We pray that today's message has encouraged and empowered your journey in following Jesus. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.